Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, welcome to episode 105 with uh, Mr. David Coyer. Um, Dave, that's it. Welcome back. <laughs> I just I just told you before we got on, I said we've already done the background. People know who you are. If not, go back and listen to whatever episode you were on with your wife and three or four other people. It was the lar- also the largest podcast we ever had at one time. Is that right? I think five guests, six. I've had five people in, but that was, I think, six people that day or seven. Right. Which is good. So, And the only one of that group to beat you coming back was Kevin Patton. Is that right? And I had, he beat me. What do you mean? Coming back. Like he's been on the show twice oh. already. I ran into <laughs> I've him. been wanting to come back. I, I know. And, and, I, and I told him, I ran into Kevin. I'm like, Kevin, you want to do it? He goes, sure, I'll do it. And then <laughs> he actually is also the only person to leave with a cigar from the show. So that's, um, that was his parting gift. But Dave, welcome back. I'm happy that's to it. be here. That's, awesome. uh, that's it. Let's so, go. Yeah. So usually we just, we just kind of ramble on. So first question I want to ask you because we, um, this is a big, big thing for us. We have it right here to our right. Right. Um, I, now, part of this, so I'm talking about the golf tournament. I've had a bunch of players on since this tournament actually took place. A bunch of insight, a bunch of people saying, you know, we like this. We think it should. this should maybe not be changed, but we've all agreed that this is going to evolve. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things, so we were kind of putting this on together. And you had reached out and said, listen, this For the Kids Charity Golf Classic I mean, you reached out early on this. I think it was like the day of we put stuff out. I don't even know. It was pretty. Cool. Yeah, I I saw you on Facebook, and uh, what the, I I think I said. Prom- I'm sorry. Was it the promo video? I don't even know what it might have been, but I just saw that you were involved in some kind of charity golf event, and I know this is going to sound weird, but I just feel like you're you're doing so well, and you have such a good presence in our community, and I feel like if 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 you are spending time outside of work which is very important to you in any charitable type event i'm like i'm in like i i think so, i sent you a message that you had me at hello right yes uh, and and uh and then I think, I, find, I think i responded back if i knew that i wouldn't have tried so hard so <laughs> the uh but but the but so, i found out afterwards that uh you know you said yeah let's let, let's have a conversation about it and then i sort of did a little bit of homework and realized you know, first of all, I'm on the board of the United Way and have been for years. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't even realize initially that that's what it was for. <laughs> right? And so, and then um, my wife has is, I think she still is or was the past president of the um, uh, Community Action Angels at JCEO, okay. um, which is a charity that's near and dear to her heart because they're the ones who sort of do the backpack program for all the kids in the North Country. And so when I found out that it was a, a an event that was raising money for both of those organizations, then I was really in, you know. You know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Well, so the, the funny thing was, I, I didn't realize that. Like, all, well, I meant the, the two about you both being involved with the organizations, but not really knowing what it was. Because then I'm laughing. I'm like, this was really, we started this a year ago. It was kind of like a running joke between me and Matt. We went right. and had breakfast. Hey, let's, one of the things we've been saying, 
this was October, beginning of October, late September, uh, early October. All year we've been just saying stuff like, ah, well, it's just for the kids. Like that was like a running joke. If we were to come up with like a stupid idea, but we'll just make it for the kids. And right. like, what does that really mean, right? Yeah, like people would like it because it's for raising money or whatever. So then we're like, why don't we just really do something? So it was late in the season. We had played a couple scrambles that year. Like let's, let's do a golf tournament. We were at Campus Corner. It was, I think it was like a Wednesday. And we said, well, let's try to put this together. And we left, went out, and we filmed the... This was last year. We filmed like the promo video that day mm-hmm. within an hour of us finishing breakfast. Like that's how quick it was like, let's just go out and do it. Came back and I don't think it was the, that week. I think it was either a week or two weeks after that. It was basically about 14 to 15 days we had to pull right. this whole thing off. And we raised two grand. Me and him played 1v1. I used three clubs. He used his full bag. I absolutely smoked him. And that was, <laughs> that was uh, so we won. And I was, work, I was um, JCO was my team. So we gave all, it was like 2,100 bucks last year to JCO. So then this year, and uh, Meg was involved last year, and I have a photo down there. She was a caddy last year. She's in, she got the master's jumpsuit. (laughs) So we, uh, and Forrest Edwards. So we had a good, like us four, we had a couple of girls here that were doing the filming and stuff for the video. So then we're like, let's grow this thing. So Meg got more involved this year helping out she's good at running this kind of stuff and we were planning on like let's try to make it better we we're throwing ideas and then you literally came out of nowhere and said hey can i title sponsor this and a lot of like we had like a wish list which i think when you asked us like well what is it like what's the title sponsorship i'm terrible when it comes to this stuff because i've never run a thing in my life when right. it comes to this meg's much better she understands that stuff she goes well there's usually tears i'm like listen gotta be fair to dave he reached out we're kind of like you know pants around her legs kind of thing we were totally caught off guard and I, in my head, knew this will grow. And I'm like, we'll, we'll get, we'll start getting sponsorships, like companies sponsoring this probably year, closer to maybe year five. We'll do this for a few years, just kind of fun. Then we'll maybe get some real people like in maybe year four, five, six. And then you reached out. I'm like, honestly, I don't have a number. Never thought about it. This is our wish list. Right. Dave can help out with that. And it can alleviate some of the costs of what we're, we're getting or people out of pocket. Because we want to make it something that the golfers could actually get into. So it was a cost each golfer about a hundred bucks to get into the tournament. Um, so you came on very graciously covered a lot of the expenses that we thought. And it was funny. The, the shirts alone elevated this thing to another level because like people, they were great, right? Yeah. And actually the shirts came out decent considering we never actually like wore any of the shirts to try them on. (laughs) Um, but the whole idea was like having the two teams, a red team, a blue team, and kind of make it like a real like team event. Right. And it, just blew it out of the water because it was so it ended up we started adding elements of like a professional tournament professional but a higher end tournament so our thought was a lot of this stuff like it was good we would have raised money but i think you came up like your company coming on elevated the legitimacy of the tournament the professionalism of the tournament and then i think going forward our goal each year is obviously to increase this but now we've already factored in a lot of things are done that we did this year so I think each year we can just keep building on the momentum. So you were there early on. Right. I kind of did a bat. This is one thing I got to let Meg handle next year. I shouldn't have been on the 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 saying like congrat like thank you for coming kind of thing. I was I did I went I needed to do the rules, let her do all that. She's much better. I'm like give me the golf, <laughs> let her do the organization. But what was your um thought from the little bit that you saw and then obviously throughout the whole thing? Like Well, first, you know, what I think are is is so fun about organizations like this or, or, or um, events, I should say, is you, you know, you, 
when you're growing up and you're and you're living in this community and you're running a business in this community, it's so easy just to do what everybody else has done in the past, right? And it's not to say that any of the other golf tournaments or fundraisers or whatnot aren't aren't legitimate and aren't aren't successful or not fun. But I'm really drawn to I'm drawn to the new and I'm drawn to doing things that are unique and different. And you know, I, it, it it's fun to see you and, and your friends and 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 you know, business professionals, I guess, in your age group, if you will, and I've got you by about 20 years, right? But it's fun to see you guys sort of like coming up and doing different things. And I don't know, for me, that's, that's what should happen in a community. And I think that sort of energizes giving and energizes fundraising. I think the more that we sort of, you know, continue to support the events that have been going on, but also be creative in the new events and, and running things and organizing uh, situations that, you know, appeal to us, appeal to you, um, focus dollars in a different way. I think communities can really do a lot of good that way. And so for, for us, for Elizabeth and myself and at Courier Staffing, you know, it's, it's not a ton of money to support an organization, especially in their, the, the first couple of years. But even as it grows, we're happy to continue to be the lead support for it because it, it drives dollars to organizations that are meaningful to us um, it's great publicity. You know, we spend tens of thousands of dollars every year in situations like this. So if we spend, you know, $800 this year, a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollars next year, who knows what, um, mm-hmm. we're just happy to do it because for all the reasons I just, for all the reasons I just mentioned, it's, uh, it, you keep going. Yeah. Oh, just tighten that right there. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, here. Yeah. I don't, there you go. It, you know, it appeals to me and it appeals to us. And, um, yeah, I yeah. think that's, it's well, just fun. Yeah. So the, the a couple of things you hit was one, it's fun. You, we never do a tournament like this or always scrambles. And I like scrambles are fun hanging out with friends, but there's a difference. I'm not competitive at scrambles. Like I don't, I, I go, even if I have really good golfers, I'm going to have fun. I'm not, I'm not looking to win. I want to go hang out with three or four friends or three friends in a scramble and just have a fun day and just relax. Right. This was fun because we all had fun, but it was the only time of the year for a lot of us that like some people never played competitive golf in their life. Right. Because of the handicaps and stuff made it competitive. But you could see like there was people really trying to win in this tournament because they're like, I'm not just here to have fun. Like there's a couple of <laughs> people that were there to have fun, but even the ones that weren't super, uh, what's the word? They weren't, you know, major golfers or anything like that still in their head. were like, how do I just get better? Cause I don't want to like embarrass myself sure. or completely lose or let the other team down. So every person that played in this tournament absolutely loved it. They all were like in it. And that was the thing we were only, this was only really going to be pulled off if we had all 16 people really bought into the tournament aspect of a, like a Ryder cup format. And every single person was, they loved it. So not one person I've asked, was like hey would you play in next year every single person like a hundred percent like they're adamant like i'm in i'm in and it, that was just cool because some people would be like yeah i think i'll play in it again like I, we haven't had any of that everybody's like a hundred percent definite we're also looking at we know that this is going to expand um we're trying to find it in a way where we're not going to lose the format because we're not going to go to a scramble we're going to keep the format because it's unique to at least the area with what we're doing um but as it grows we have some ideas in the pot of how we want to grow this right. meaning like um it will be a very cool event, but the other thing that, like, I like I like donating money. You guys are, are huge donate donors of money, um, both business and personally. I mean, if the one thing I really like is 
things that affect the local community. Right. Um, I've been part of stuff where they ask you to donate, and, and I, every cause has a, is worthy. I mean, there's stuff that, but when you start getting to like the national level stuff, I think it's great. But I always look at can I how much money can I just dump back into people locally that need it? So I really focus on the, to me the local um, the local fundraisers really draw more out of me than and this could be giving money to like I think every year I give money to like the Beekman Town Hockey Kids every every year I give money to the uh, PHS Drama Club like yeah. I like giving back to these kids that are organizations now having kids myself you know it's kind of especially I mean the, to me the the backpack program at JCO is so like. It's so important, just sure. for me. and again, it's a no-brainer. No, exactly. And um, and the thing is, I'm, I should be more aware of the stuff that they do. United Way. I got to get uh, a couple of the people from United Way and uh, JCO here because um, I'm curious to see what they do in the community because I know they do a lot more than what I know. And yeah. uh, so the biggest thing is like we like the idea that we can affect the local one local kids. So we do it for the kids. So we really try to focus on money towards that, but keeping it within the Clinton County realm, just because again, I'd rather benefit our neighbors, kids that need it first than dumping somewhere else. Well, it's kind of like, you know, not to get into a deep uh, conversation about taxation and tax policy and whatnot, but you know, um, you know, philanthropy and is really a voluntary tax, right? Um, it's, it's individuals and our companies or organizations willing to give, portion of the money that they've earned in that year to a cause uh, to individuals to help in in ways that are meaningful to them but in its basic form it's it's a form of voluntary tax so i am I'm, I'm i think that we as a society would be uh, even better if we would empower organizations to to give in more generous manners uh, along these lines um you know having a, a degree in econ, I don't know if that really helps my thinking along these lines. And uh, it doesn't make a difference if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you run a business, um, you know, taxes are, are, can be expensive. And if you sort of said to every single business out there, hey, if you paid less taxes, but you could uh, instead funnel that money into your immediate community, would you be willing to do so? I think uh, oh, yeah. most organizations would say, yeah, you know, I'd rather, I, I'd like helping the, the homeless person in my hometown. I'd like to have money pooled in our community so that we could build an affordable house, more affordable housing and appropriate housing for individuals who don't have as much. I don't want kids to have, not be able to go through the weekends without food. You know, that's the backpack program. You know what I think they call it? Um, I forgot the exact terminology, but it's sort of like food insecure households is what mm -hmm. they call it. You know, so, you know, if you even think about that, I imagine your children and my children, it's sort of the embarrassment of the riches. They, they, they go to their pantry and they're, they have a hard time figuring out what they're going to eat. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that there are households in our community where kids don't have anything to eat, um, you, me, and so many others would keep giving as much as we possibly could to make certain that that situation doesn't happen. And, you know, the golf, the golf event that you guys ran and, and other events like it um, help to solve those problems. And I think they're really meaningful in the community. Yeah, I think uh, I think Nicole told me from uh, JCO. She said that the money we gave because we ended up splitting it between the two because we kind of uh, we usually do it where one side does get more because it does add the winner loser. So it just kind of <laughs> so we actually do legitimately give more money to the team that wins. <laughs> right. This year was kind of weird. We had a little rain delay, uh, not rain delay, but it was like kind of storming. And Matt's team ended up winning basically by half a point. It was very close, but we just felt we never actually finished it. So we like we had to kind of call it a little bit like a few holes early. Um, so we just said, well, let's just split it year one. So both sides, I think, made basically $2,500. But that was, 
I think goes that that will feed 14 kids for the school year, I think. Yeah. That's 14 more kids that that would have had it or allows them to give more to more kids or whatever. So, I mean, for something that was a lot of fun for us and really right. it was it was fun to work on to see that 14 kids are going to have a direct impact on that. And these are kids that live they could be living next door to you. And to me, that's kind of the cool thing. It's not like we're sending this out to some corporation somewhere, which honestly, a lot of that money goes to marketing dollars. I know it. Like when you go to these big fundraising companies that they're getting money in, but they're running a business. Yeah, they run. Yeah, and it's and and they're still valid in what they're trying to achieve. It's mm-hmm. just a, a a large, not a large on a percentage basis. Hopefully, it's small, but it's still a fairly large amount of actual dollars that doesn't go to where you wanted it to go, right? Mm-hmm. And my wife tells a story that uh, she was picking up one of our children at uh, at school at Oak Street, and uh, one of my child's friends got in the car on a Friday afternoon, and he had two backpacks. And this is actually what got her involved in the program, is that the kid got in the car, and they were only, I think, in fourth grade at the time. And so uh, she was like, so what's the additional, you know, you got two backpacks, what's going on there? And he says, yeah, one of, them, one of them's for food. I bring home food every Friday. And, yeah. and she was like, wait a minute, like, in her mind, not that you feel like you're so far removed, but it was like, here was a friend of our child's getting in our car, thankfully young enough where he's not, you know, in, you know it's that age, yeah. it's kind of a sweet age where they're, yeah. they, <laughs> there's, they're no, there's yeah. no shame, you know, there's nobody knows anything, everybody just shrugs their shoulders and says, oh, he's got another backpack. But for my wife in the car, you know, like I said, you know, before we started recording, you know, she can cry at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Um, I think she probably had tears in her eyes driving down the road, driving this kid back to wherever he lives. I think just an apartment building around the corner. But it just sort of hit home to her that, hey, you know what? This backpack program, things that we've, that we've been talking about. Because I think I brought home the idea. I, I, they presented to the United Way one night, and I said to her, you know, if you really want a tearjerker, learn about this backpack program because they're food insecure households right here in our backyard. And then yeah. when she met that individual who was a part of that program, that's what sort of inspired her to get involved and, and to sort of do more and more. And she volunteers a, a ton of hours every year to, you know, to make certain that there are uh, activities and efforts in our community that's going to keep growing the number of backpacks that are provided because there's a large number of them. And it's not a large number of them in some faraway you know, enclave of the North Country. It's, you know, 98 households at the city school district, right? Yeah, and that's something I think over time I think we want to get more involved with drawing out because we give the money and no no offense to any of the guys playing in this or, or Megan Strong played in it too. Any of the players that played in this um, and even myself, I'm very limited onto the knowledge of what we're right. actually giving the money to. So I think part of it is as this grows, I would like to showcase that a little more and use this as a platform that right. they can – you know, because again, you're getting people that want to donate to it, but we've thought about different ways. Where like, how do we? We could end up turning this into their biggest function moneymaker for both of them for these programs. We probably, honestly, it might be now. I mean, directly, I guess, because I'm sure they get fundraisers from other. Sure, but there might be a way that we could grow this to the point where we give those organizations a platform um, to basically put it out to people, mm-hmm. knowing that the people amongst these group of people are going to be the ones that will probably be willing to share it and organize and get the word out a little bit um, and hoping that that does happen because there's I mean, so many different have, ways that this thing can go and we're excited. Yeah, because you could have, I mean, it's really, it was like, it's two teams, right? Just two teams, yeah. Two teams, but how many different players on each team? This year was uh, eight each. So eight each. So if you if you did eight times 250 times two, like if you know, you could say each, each so like 
twosome or foursome or whatever, uh, if, if, it, if you sort of empower them, listen, you guys, you know, your entry fee is you, you raise 250 bucks, mm -hmm. right? And, and you're sort of throwing it in the kitty, if you will. And so at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know if that's how you did it this year or not, but. No, this year was just, hey, if Forrest Edwards is playing, Forrest Edwards gives us 100 bucks. Okay. Half of it goes to play basically your golf, and then half of it right. goes to. So each, each person put in about $50 towards the, as a $50 personal donation. Any money they, we added the mulligan roll in, meaning um, kind of a per each match, you right. can get up to $20 worth of mulligans, mm -hmm. which is two mulligans for $10 each. We raised over $600 in mulligans, which shows how good these golfers were, which <laughs> a lot of us were buying them. Um, but it ended up getting the point like that kind, all that money went too. So we ended up, um, but yes, the way you're talking about increasing more money, and this is probably something we'll be asking you probably next year, because I think you'd have some good ideas on this. Like as we, because we're going to start working on this probably in January, February again, um, just to really get ahead of the curve and like, what do we want to, where do we want this to go? Um, but I think if we can figure out a way where we've talked about, does each player, are they responsible? Like, is your entry fee, like you have to pay a hundred dollars to get in, right. but your entry fee is you have to raise $500 to be eligible to be in the tournament. Right. And we thought about like, there's, it's a cutoff. But it's like if you want to get in, you have to raise, and this could be you personally paying the money. This could be you giving money from a company. This could be from I don't know who. But you could just ask companies to sponsor you. You know, hey, listen, I need two hundred fifty bucks. Uh, and yeah. well, we also thought about that too. Where <laughs> do you have a player like if I was just playing, and I'm like, well, Cavanaugh Realty is my sponsor, right? And we just play. I think, and obviously, I have a direct tie. But I'm saying, if like some of these companies, if like you know, don't really work for anybody, but like, hey, I got this company that supported me, and they're my sponsor. They, that person would actually be like working for not working but like re representing that person so we kind of thought is this a cool way to get more businesses and more people involved by having almost like a uh like their sponsor horse in the race kind of thing yeah and like but even though we're on teams i don't know so we're kind of like a sponsorship exemption so we're kind of working on we've also talked about we have too many players do we do a full another tournament just to play in it would be kind of cool if you had each each team say so you have two teams and each team has like their own like here are all the sponsors of Team A. Here mm -hmm. are all the sponsors of Team B, and it's sort of the the culmination of all the different corporate sponsors. Who you know, you know, is Debus? He's at uh, he's Norsk. Norsk, right? So Norsk Titanium. It's a no brainer, right? Yeah, you could have Norsk Titanium as his sponsor, and you could almost like have your employer, or if you own the company, you could sort of. It would be it would be kind of cool to see here are the two, and all of these companies are responsible for raising all this money for well, this wonderful cause. Well, one of the things we wanted to do too which is similar to that. And I got to see how this legally can be done because we weren't sure if this could be done is, is there a way that you can almost do like live betting during this thing? Cause we wanted to like film some stuff and like, okay, we're going to film like DraftKings. Yes. We're going <laughs> to, yes, exactly where I'm going. We're going to film the seventh hole as a par three and people can bet. Is this person going to hit the green? Oh yeah. And it might go in like, okay, Steve LaBombard's a good golfer. Steve's chances to make it. It's like, it might be one to two. You might have a bad golfer. Like the chances they hit it. Like if you put money in, you make more. But people make money. Yeah, we get some of the profit, but then you pay out. I don't know if that's legal. We've heard <laughs> it might not be because maybe it's charity. I don't know. But we're looking at we're going to do all the legal stuff we can to make money because I think that's a good way that if people are actually live streaming this thing, and being like, okay, the seventh hole, there's a challenge, or there's another challenge on another hole, like, or just randomly on hole nine, you get a shot from a hundred yards, and mm -hmm. it's certain amount of money or does someone get an eagle or net birdie or what whatever we have is the you know there's so many things you can bet on and we just kind of come up with odds on it and then pay them out i don't know how we can do that but this is like <laughs> stuff in our head like can we get to the point where maybe not the next couple of years but by year five or six could we have literally like on course betting where 
people are just like fought, like watching. But oftentimes people are betting so that they are hoping that they're going to win the bet and get the money. But you could have say, hey, listen, the, well, you know, we could do it like a fifty fifty, or right. we could do like, hey, we'll do the bets, but we automatically take like. Five percent of each bet, no matter what, right. win or lose, and then we split the half and half. So, like, you could put money in, but if you're putting ten bucks in to win a hundred, you might win nine. You might be win ninety, but we get ten. You win right. ninety, but you spent ten to get ninety. Right. So it's kind of like we're, we're trying to find ways. Like, I don't know if that's legal. That could be totally illegal. <laughs> if not, we're going to wait till it becomes legal before we can do it. But but I you think, know these platforms that are sort of around us now. You know, DraftKings and uh, Pen Gaming, and FanDuel, and, FanDuel, yeah. right? You know, all these companies yeah. that are that are up and coming. They are certainly, um, I think those are the platforms that you would contact. You know? I almost want to just call them. You're like, is there a way that we can run this on <laughs> I like think a so. little amateur, like little fun Without a doubt. charity event? Yeah. I think that they would be all over that. Yeah. I, it's, 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 it adds a little bit of fun, but I'm just saying there's a lot of people, probably like yourself, that if they're sitting on a Saturday, like, let me just like check in and be like, huh, Galen's on a par three. If I spend 10 bucks, I could win 50. Right. Yeah, whatever. Go for it. Right. And I hit it. And I'm like, dude, I won 50 bucks. And like, hey, worst case, the money goes to charity. So like, I think it's the win-win no matter what. Because even if you lose, you just, the money goes to a charitable organization. I got to, we got to see. Because that's stuff that like, we kind of threw out that like, that might be, it may not be this coming year, but I think it's a way for people to get involved where they don't have to be at the course. Kind of, we talked about like the social distancing and Zooming. Yeah. Like, can we get it? Can we do something where... People it could be at their house, could be working on their yard and just like pop on their phone for a few minutes and watch. Or maybe they just put a bet on a match. Hey, you got a bet on the, you know, Trombley Craig match with Lee and whoever. And then we're like, we're going to take them like chances. They close out three and two versus two and one versus losing. And we could almost like have actual numbers like that and different payouts. I think it'd be kind of cool. And then people could like fill in and be like, oh, you won 120 bucks today based on all your bets. Or like, hey, you lost. $200. Thank you. Didn't it be fun to do also is, um, not that we have to talk about golf the whole time, but wouldn't it be fun to have actual caddies, you know? So last year we had Forrest and Meg did caddying. Right. But I mean, real, like if you had like, okay, cause then you'd have so many more people, like actual human beings involved. Yeah. Every, every player so, has their own caddy. So that was another thing. Do we have, like, do we do something funny where we do like the cat? Like last year, Meg got a whole jumpsuit. She yeah. looked like a Augusta caddy. Yeah. Do we get something like that where everybody, you get it, we do all the caddy suits up, everybody has their names on it. You pick your caddy, you can right. have whoever you want. They either put a certain amount of money in or they're just there and like, hey, to be a caddy, you got to donate 25 bucks. Caddy and, or, and maybe live stream it or at least be live texting the event. You know? So we're, yeah, we're, that's one of the big things I think we're going to start. Like this year was like, okay, like you were like a title sponsor which wasn't even in the plans but in like the shirts and trophy and the scoreboard like a lot of these weren't even in the plans because right. like we want to do it but we, we got to we, we wanted to be very uh very what's the word thrifty we, we wanted to be very efficient with the money meaning we didn't want to spend really anything so we tried to be as bare bones as possible when it came to actually money out for stuff right um and i to be honest i don't know if we spent besides spending money on golf i think that was the only thing we we personally spent like donations was everything else but like right. like we weren't going and in, dipping into donations to cover really anything um so but now it's like how do we make it even more fun which is like then we start doing these little like side things that can add to the i guess the user experience of the tournament so it's still fun it's still a lot of guys doing it but it's the idea that we can really get more people involved and i don't think there's any reason why if you, you we could have i mean in theory you could probably have five to seven grand raised by the time this tees off and by the time you're done you're up to twelve fifteen. And I think did, that's legitimate. Did you, to, you also ought to try the uh, Frisbee golf. I'm not Have a Frisbee golf guy ever in my life. Like you're talking like disc golf. Yeah. But they, there's like no. a whole course behind my house over at uh, SUNY Plattsburgh, right? Okay. And, and, 
there's one at Katyville too. Yeah, a I don't think the course costs anything. Um, True. I I didn't and, think about that. Like we we've we've thought of, and I love golf, work. and I love supporting the local, uh, you know. Uh, golf courses but if you wanted to do something and sort of expand the audience you don't have to be a golfer you just come on out and throw frisbees i'm not against that this this could turn into like four of the kids like we have like this is the main one but we could have like little offshoot events that add to the total yeah i'm not against that that'd be kind of cool too because i've never played disc golf but i'm sure we could go buy like a cheap set of discs like they have them there i mean i know yeah i see people walking up all the time they have their their case over their shoulder and they have their own discs people get into it you know but i think that there's a there's actually a box back there for with free discs already in it kind of like renting just free like just go grab them um i'm not i'm not against it i've played disc golf once um it was tough it was something it was a learning curve um (laughs) i i played it at katieville and i think i don't know if they have nine or 18 holes there but it's pretty crazy because I'm used to just kind of like throwing it. And these, when you actually see the good guys, they're going and they're like whipping it and they're doing these big hooks. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, do you know Chris Verkey at all? I know the name. So Chris came on the podcast. He's a, a phys ed teacher at Saranac, but he was a very good athlete. He was like an All-American. I think he had the national – he missed the Olympics by like point something seconds. Oh, really? actually running the Olympics. He was a four uh, – I want to make sure – 400 meter, 400 meter hurdler or 110. I think it was 400 meter hurdles, which is like his thing. Big tall guy, big big in the disc golf, and he was like trying to tell me everything. Like he brings his like book bag with like multiple like. Well, this one goes right. This one goes left. This one goes high. This one goes low. It's like, it's like, like clubs. Yeah, yeah, I'm like okay. Like the, I, I I can appreciate what you're saying. I'm totally lost right now, but I can appreciate <laughs> that. So, um, but that's it. Well, enough talk about golf. I'm sure we're gonna like pick your brain a little bit on ideas that you have but i think it'll be fun because we're really looking at like year three year two got legit like we got the people this is going to expand out we're going to probably bring on a few more players next year but we're close to maxing out the amount of players we want for this portion this might be a two-step thing when we play into the main the main showdown and that was another way to raise money so well, if we get the vaccines that are coming around the corner, hopefully we'll be back to business as usual, if you will, quote unquote. And then we could really have a fun event where even if the Coyer staffing employees weren't weren't able to actually play in the event, we would love to sort of be there for an after party or just have well, make make it something so that it's it's a, so it's a real event. Our after party this year was like we went to Valcor. I'd probably say half the field went to Valcor. We just got a couple of drinks and hung out. Sure. But what we wanted to do was a, a more formal. Uh, like you come, but it's like an actual, like, you know, it, it might just be drinks and, and cocktails and stuff and, 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 finger foods, but still have it where you still go there and spend another two hours hanging out with everybody and just kind of right. unwind and have fun. And I think, because again, as you know, 80 KYP, it's like a lot of it is the networking. So like some of these guys didn't even know each other. And then by the time they were done, like, I just feel like I know the guy now. Right. And that was part of it. It was like, that's a really cool thing, especially to go from golf to now you can go to like a, an after hour type setting with, you know drink and relax and hang out that's when a lot i mean as you know that's where a lot of friendships develop and that's you know the name of the game is when you're not stressed out you're just kind of hanging out and you know sh- shooting the shooting the breeze with some friends um that that's kind of where a lot of i think relationships and friendships grow so um we do want to make this more legitimate and that's why i think we're starting a little earlier just to kind of throw all the crazy ideas out and yep. then from there really fine-tune it and then every year just keep building so I'm yeah excited. And, and from you know what's important to Elizabeth and myself, and important to you know Coyer Staffing isn't just this entity. It's a we have a, a wonderful group of uh, individuals who are more of them are, are along the lines of, uh, of you and the folks here at Adirondack Young Professionals. We want to get them more involved in that. But we, as a company, one of the focuses that we have in this upcoming year is sort of like let's let's figure out almost like these pop up 
uh, fundraisers. You know, either it's raising, you know, like I think you guys are involved in, um, you know, winter clothing drive mm -hmm. and, you know, professional clothing drive and, you know, whatever else might be appropriate in our community to help people who are less fortunate or raise awareness of, of situations that we'd like to have improved. Um, you know, the Strand was a perfect focus for so many years to sort of make certain we had that cultural focus and uh, cultural center in downtown Plattsburgh. You know, what's next? You know, where do we need to be focusing on in our community? Um, and, you know, I think that aligning ourselves with, with you guys and with that around that young professionals, you know, choir staffing in in the group, let's let's figure out what's next. And uh, this can be a focus on, on that think, charity, but what else we need to do, right? Yeah, I think it's cool. This, this is going to be a uh, fun thing, and I think a lot of these people are just like, again, the good idea is that young professionals turn into old professionals at some point, so they're going to be around for a while, so it'll be good. <laughs> so I think, I think we reeled some of these these uh, these players in for, for uh, the long shot. So um, now, what's funny is like I, I started um, in the 90s, I was the founder of what's called the Young Business and Professional Association. It was called YBPA, and it was for it was around for about two and a half years, and it sort of disbanded. I le I left town, then Michael Cavanaugh took took over as president, and he ran it for about a year, and I think it just sort of fizzled out after that. But we had like 125, 150 members then, and then when I came back to Plattsburgh, the Adirondack Young Professionals was just being kicked around, so I got uh, I was a founding board member of that. So like I get I'm naturally drawn to to those organizations, well, and it's almost unfortunate that you sort of age out of them. What what is what was the first one called? The YBPA. YBPA. Okay. Yeah. YBPA. So Matt Boyer was on here and he was the first one to ever mention that. And he mentioned your name and he mentioned, yeah, Matt, right? Yeah. Matt Boyer. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of, it was Matt, the one that was telling me the story, but I think Matt said that he was involved with it, but I think he said that you were the, I don't know, the president. Founder. I was the founder. Yeah. And president. So, yeah. Yeah. So he mentioned that and he goes, yeah, so we were doing this and he started talking about that and then it kind of just fizzed out and he's kind of said the same exact story. And I mean, uh, Matt, Matt's great. He's, he's a, he's a, witty individual I like i like talking with him but he uh same thing we came back to adkyp one of our things is like why is this group right now under 50 people which is crazy makes me. no sense and it's like the, and this year has been tough and i know um there's some p good people behind it but again you're just you, you thrive on the networking when you can't network it gets very difficult right um uh, but we're hoping like this was a this actually i think if you had to pick this year 2020 this is probably the biggest event adkyp kind of headline because there's no other chance for us to do much. The economic right. forum was canceled. Uh, but one of our goals is to increase, and I, I talked to you before, um, and this year obviously was a little more difficult to try to spearhead it, but getting this larger, getting more people involved, but also getting the college more involved. And right. I think if we can get a direct line from the college into ADKYP and then also have local businesses that truly believe that there's value from the club because you can't again you can't just say like send tell people to come to our event and they show up and they're like well, we didn't do anything we just kind of hung out and right. had a beer and whatever i mean they're, they're, those are good but i think there's got to be a lot of like what's the value add for some people and i think that has been i mean what's your thoughts on that because i know we had discussed it a little bit but i think you kind of having well i think the value the, you know you have to ask yourself you know what's your purpose of of, of existing and what do people really benefit from and i think that younger professionals benefit from uh experienced professionals they benefit from learning uh about the history of the north country learning about the successful companies and or business people in the north country and i know that uh ybpa we did a lot of uh, guest speakers we would have the business leaders come in and just have a conversation with the group about 
who they are, what they've, what they've done, uh, what they're doing and where they're going. And, and that was a lot of fun. Um, just in, at the same time, sort of like forgiving ourselves for allowing, you know, once in a while you do just want to, you know, after work, go grab a beer and hang out and that's okay as well. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes you, you can overthink it. Um, I think being as inclusive as possible, but, um, for certain getting businesses to underwrite the existence, I think is really important. Uh, just sort of saying to any of the companies of any great size, listen, you know, we really want you to sort of have a continual, you know, $500, $750,000 a year sort of buy into the Adirondack Young Professionals. It's kind of like paying school tax. You know, you, even if your kids aren't going to that school, you're still benefiting from the benefits that that school has in your community. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have an employee at the Adirondack Young Professionals, you have to see that there's benefit to having a, a real strong organization right in our community so that when people do come to the area, if they graduate from college and stick around, there's sort of a, a set in place a vehicle that helps them make connections and feel welcomed in the community. And then when we're recruiting people to the area, if it's their kids or if it's spouses or whatever the case might be, you know, getting those individuals to, to know if they're, if, if it's sort of, if it's appropriate to them, get them plugged into this group that will welcome well, them with open arms and uh, help them feel like they have a, a home here in the North country. What What is roughly, if you had to guess from a staffing perspective, like what amount of the staffing clients is that what you call them like if people come the to companies you? no uh, you have your clients candidates candidates so sure out of the candidates that come what what percentage do you think would be roughly in the young demographic young like probably the the 20 30 year old profession 20s and 30s because usually 40 they always say is a cutoff even though I, i'd still consider early 40s still young it's um it's not a large percentage um i think you'd have more success uh having people who are going to Plattsburgh State and the other universities in the area um, as they graduate people out and sort of as if we do a better job of sort of attracting them to the entry and near entry level roles, you know, kind of quasi-professional roles at the better employers. Um, but when when they're when they're applying to those jobs, having those companies sort of have a set in place, like a, a pamphlet, a, a, a brochure about the organization uh, for each new hire that they have in that in that demographic. Um, do you guys get a lot of uh, do you get a lot of um, current graduates? I guess of Plattsburgh State that seek you guys out. Yeah, I mean a lot. It would probably be there's a lot of people who come to Plattsburgh who are from other communities, mm-hmm. and they oftentimes you know especially you know if you have Long Island and New York City and you know like Rochester and Syracuse, you have those other communities that people come to Plattsburgh State. They're going to go back there near home where it's a larger community. Um, but there's a percentage, there's a decent percentage of individuals, again, especially as time goes on, where we have more people in the North Country who are seeing value and sticking around the North Country and taking advantage of the low cost of going to Plattsburgh State and Clinton Community College and the like. Um, I think we're seeing that on the rise, having individuals graduate and want to find opportunities here locally. Yeah. So, so it's trending in the right direction then? I think it's... I get, it, Trending in the right direction is probably strong. I think it has the capacity to trend in that direction. The real challenge that you have um, is that a lot of companies in the area, the larger employers in the area, aren't always uh, the corporate headquarters. Mm-hmm. You know, they are divisions of a large company. You know, it's the assembly plant. Um, it's a it's 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 location too. If Coyer Staffing opens up another office downstate, we're not going to duplicate a lot of the sort of the administrative roles that exist at Coyer Staffing. You know, we won't double our marketing people. We won't double 
uh, our accounting people. We won't double, you know, and sort of mm-hmm. the same thing happens at uh, a lot of the companies around here. If they are divisions of another company, then sales most likely doesn't exist here and marketing doesn't exist here. And if there's accounting, there's maybe one or two people sort of in an accounting capacity, but there isn't the entire accounting department. Mm-hmm. So when graduates, people are graduating from Plattsburgh State, especially in the School of Business, you know, there's probably less opportunities for them historically in the North Country coming right out of school than there might be in a larger city where there are more companies or more um, larger accounting firms, larger companies, more headquarters, if you will. That Does makes that make sense. sense? Yeah, no, for sure. I never thought about it that way. Because, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. You're saying basically the a lot of the ones that we come here because they're you know, a secondary company. I say secondary, but like you said, second location. It's a division of a... Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, I, I get it. Because their headquarters are going to have a lot more involved in it. Like what companies around here... Are, is there any that are headquartered around here, like major companies? Like we talk about like we talk about like the well, headquarters. Headquarters is probably hard, but like Moldrate Plastics is a good example of a company that has almost every single type of role here. You okay. know, they have, they do have engineering, they do have uh, sales, they have inside sales, they have outside sales, they have an, a very robust accounting department. They have, of course, uh, their manufacturing and their warehousing and their logistics, and they have the full assortment of, of roles. And then you might have. Um, Another company uh, could be in the transportation space, where a lot of the, the those those corporate roles, the head, the, the accounting, uh, marketing, sales, a lot of that is going to be out of another location. And here, it's going to largely be uh, assembly, manufacturing, maybe warehousing and logistics. Yeah, and this is one thing that I mean we were talking about earlier. I think before we we uh, we went live the. The amount of like growth that I'm just starting to get to now, because again, I I hit 30. I've been, but like I'm really trying to dive into the greater, you know, commun- business business community now and trying to understand different industries now right. because there's a, there's a lot of correlation. So one of the things when I start talking, what you just said with the with the um, the staffing idea, but then also going into different companies that they play a part in our community, but I've been kind of I say somewhat sheltered from that I'm not exposed to because. One of the one of the best things I went, well, actually you were you were at, at it. Uh, Billy Jones Roundtable thing right was a, a year ago or so roughly. I remember going to that, and I thought it was cool. I was like, ah, this is you know Billy, good dude. Like he invited me to this thing, and I went, and never said a word. And I was like, and it was funny because I had all the, like I did all my homework, had all these paperwork, had a bunch of stats. Like I was ready to go. If I was called on, I like I had my stuff to reference. I was good. I mean, I know it, but I had like the numbers, and I printed out for everybody, and kind of an aside. I remember seeing Billy after. Hey, Billy, thanks for letting me uh, be here. And he goes. Hey man, I thought you were gonna say like give us the real estate spin. I said, well, nobody ever asked. But I said here, and I gave him a bunch of stuff. I said I'm ready to go. So, but one of the things that was cool and eye opening there, there was probably thirty people, maybe mm-hmm. 25, 30 people, and yourself, me. There was a bunch of other people from like from education, from agriculture, from um, a bunch of different just small businesses. Right. And I looked at it, and I was. I didn't even want to say anything because I was just like so enthralled and just listening to what people were saying. Because again, I was. I think me and Alex Berry were the two youngest people there at the time and just able to listen to people. And again, I would say successful people in their field, in our area, there was a lot of like successful people there that knew what they're talking about. Uh, I'd say like industry expert, local industry experts. So I'm sitting there listening, like listening to these people talk about what's challenges, challenging for them. And then, you know, also seeing what, you know, Billy and what the, uh, I forgot the other guy's name that was there from the state. But he was there, and then Gary uh, Douglas and talking about 
things that challenges we face. And then I'm kind of like, wow, it's like, there's a lot of, a lot of us face the same challenges. And like we talked about, I mean, as simple as cell phone coverage, like how does that affect everybody? And like, I complain because my call drops when I'm driving between appointments, which is not a huge deal. But then you talk about some of these people, like they, they need it for emergency purposes and don't have it. And and looking at that, I'm looking at, you know, when you start talking about the school system and like BOCES was there and talking about certain things they face. And I remember um, there was a couple, I think there was a farmer there talking about stuff he has faced and trying to just see it from the grander scale of just like, I'm like so much in a bubble day to day. I'm like, I've, I work in real estate and I work in this company day to day. So it's nice that I've really getting exposed to other people, having conversations with you, having conversations with, you know, whether it be Aaron or whether it be, you know, Adam Crosby or these other friends of mine in different, different, um, businesses and picking their brain and asking their opinions on stuff has allowed me to grow and see more. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that when you talked about like the other kind of going full circle here, when we were talking about like YPP, whatever that group, YBPA, was, YBPA, yeah. um, the, uh, I want to keep saying there's a W in there, but what, okay. So that, <laughs> that company, um, like seeing that and then talking about people coming in and talking like that's right. I think there's a lot of value is just learning from people I like learning from where people are now and trying to get to that level or trying to pick their brain because they've like you, you giving me advice on certain things. I'm like, okay, it makes sense. Like, I never thought about that. Yeah. Like hopefully five, 10 years from now, I'd be like, I can't believe I didn't know that at that time, but it's stuff that you learn that like, I mean, for you, when you first got into kind of like realizing and going into like a business space and, or whatever it might be professional setting, what would, who are people that you look for? Or who do people did you learn from? Or who are your mentors? Or who are still your mentors? Like what? You don't say certain names, or you can, but like what? What? Uh, what industries and what positions and where were they from? Local people, people out of the area. Well, I think it's first of all, it's a good question. I mean, there are people in my life who've been really impactful. Um, uh, you know, Trent Trahan, who owns. You know, Champlain Telephone Company and Prime Link. You know, he sold that recently to. Uh, you know, they have the, the the company that took over Prime Link. The name's escaping me, but um, um, he's been really meaningful. Greg McConnell, who works with him and, and runs that organization, um, just you know, you go way back. You know, David Meath, who owned uh, Buck Paper, and uh, just picking his brain. There's just been a different individuals throughout the years. And then um, when I was doing, you know, when we first started doing business with uh, Sluter Systems, you know, first Heidi Breton, she was really great no, to sort of yeah, know, Heidi. have a conversation with her. But then, you know, Brad Van Brunt was uh, somebody who was meaningful to me and, and sort of helped me understand sort of what exactly they were doing over at Sluter Systems and how that company was growing and, and so many more. But, I guess yeah, what keeps me going, you know, day in, day out, but what, I guess the reason why I, I, I enjoy doing what I'm doing is that I like learning about business. I, li- I really like learning about business. Like I, I roll up my sleeves. Like I, I probably know more about the real estate business than most people know. I certainly know more about like manufacturing and assembly than a lot of people know. Not because I feel like I'm smarter than other people, but I really enjoy learning about them because... Uh, the businesses are fascinating. And when you know about the business, it's easier to sort of understand, you know, the entire sort of um, spectrum of individuals who may be appropriate for those companies. Um, 
a company at a certain size probably isn't going to be interested in a graphic designer. But when they get when they grow a little bit and maybe they start to have a marketing department, then you know maybe they'll be, maybe they'll be interested in that. Um, I guess it's just you know there certainly there have been individuals who have been impactful to me, but I think more importantly than that, just having sort of an, a a real voracious interest in all of the companies in the North Country and trying to sort of understand, and probably this is the econ degree coming through, is just understanding what a market is and understanding the dynamics of a market and understanding what is, you know, Jefford Steele's role in in this community in, in, in you know, in the entirety of their market. Um, again, Schluter Systems and Mold Rate Plastics and and Volvo and when when a Volvo comes to town with Nova Bus and all of the associated companies that follow them and sort of really sort of wrapping your mind around sort of like you know how that happens why that happens and how that impacts a community um, is not only fascinating to me but it's super helpful in being effective in what we do which is helping companies attract people to their ranks right that's what we do every day that we're in business at Coyer Staffing is, you know, we help, you know, companies can only be as successful if they have the people that they need to be successful. And we feel like it's our job to be positioned to sort of not only meet those companies and, and get job orders from those companies, but for me, it's really understanding the dynamics of those companies and not just how they're, how they're situated today, but as they grow, what are their demands going to be and how can we best help them grow, right? So where do you think that, like uh, the staffing agency, like where do you think that's going in the next 10 years? Is there like a, have you seen a, a shift in the style of job? Have you found a, a shift in the way that you're doing stuff? Obviously 2020, you know, I never mentioned before, like it's at a little bit different dynamic in regarding, you know, not as much face-to-face where it's more virtual, but do you find that what you're planning on potentially hiring for going in the future um, looking at what type of jobs are coming in the future, looking at what type of, you know, maybe when you've talked about things being more automated, like and not with individuals, do you find that things are going to pivot where um, maybe technology takes out some factors, but then people adapt and grow into other businesses that, so, I mean, you, I'm assuming you guys are always looking in the future, kind of like, let's, where's this, where's our industry going? Sure. I do it all the time in real estate. Like it's yeah. just, I've always got a pulse on where we're heading. Yeah, uh, a couple of things. So uh, the reason we started the RAMP program, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, was the idea that my wife and I had, you know, to solve a problem, right? And the problem existed. Um, Companies in our region had expressed for years that they have a difficult time attracting entry-level individuals to their ranks. And there are other challenges in the community. You know, the people who are sort of appropriate for these entry-level roles, you know, can they pass drug tests, you know? Can they pass criminal background checks if it's a, if it's appropriate to the situation? Um, and also, you know, just the economist and me sort of always looking at every year, there's a, there's a large number of people who graduate from our local high schools and where are they going? So they guess that's like idea number one. What's happening to all these individuals? And then just sort of doing more research, rolling up our sleeves and realizing that, you know, every year if there's 1,500 people who graduate in the North Country, um, I have to imagine that there's probably and the numbers support it, there are probably 25 to 30% of those individuals who graduate with what we call without a real plan, without a concrete understanding as to what they want to do next. So if you have that, 
now you have this pool of 350 to 450 individuals who are graduating without a plan. And then you have these legions of companies who are sort of saying year in, year out, hey, we're having a difficult time attracting individuals to entry-level roles. David, how can you help us? To me, it's just sort of like, all right, I just, we just need to figure out a better way to help these two parties come Matchmaker. together. Matchmaker. Right? Yeah. And so it was, we started Ramp by sort of feeling like, you know, what is the, what is the friction there? What, is the, what are the barriers to somebody being attracted to these entry-level roles? And if, if we can help solve this problem, we solve the problem for our clients and we help these people land these jobs. Well, the number one thing was I think that people have a hesitancy to sort of walk out of high school and say, I believe that I want to spend the rest of my life doing X. However, if we can give them the opportunity to see what it's like to work in one industry for three months, work in another industry for three months, another industry for three months, in another industry for three months, or at least a different employer, mm -hmm. you give them four opportunities in their first year after they graduate from high school, that solves a couple of problems. A, you fill a lot of these entry-level positions with entry-level candidates. Yes, there's planned turnover. In other words, these individuals are going to do a job for three months and then move on to the next. But the good news, there's somebody else behind them that's already sort of uh, put in place to fill it. So you don't really ever lose somebody performing those roles. But for the individuals who are performing the, performing the jobs, they, in their first year after they graduate, and I think you and I would both agree that if we had a program like this when we graduated high school, and let's just say we wanted to take a, a, a year off or take a gap year or whatever you want to call it, um, if you could work four jobs at some of these more dynamic companies in the North Country, at the end of 12 months, you're going to have a, a far better understanding as to what kind of jobs, what kind of companies exist here. Um, what are the real careers within those companies? Because what we found as the companies were signing up with us and being willing to participate in Ramp, they went from saying, "Hey, we just want to fill these entry-level roles," to having to making statements like Eric Zeisloff said, "You know, this is a real opportunity for us to showcase Moldrate Plastics." Right? Schluter Systems, same thing. Brian Hughes, this is a real opportunity for us to sort of let individuals know what kind of wonderful opportunities exist at Schluter Systems. You know, Spencer ARL, Fujitsu all these other companies who have sort of embraced this, if you will. Um, that's us. You ask, like, what are we doing to sort of to adapt and change with time? We created this program so that these individuals, when they graduate, instead of working with what, quote-unquote, what would be a typical recruiter, we've hired these individuals. We call them ramp counselors, and they are folks who... Uh, previously educators, most of them, but they spend they spend the year guiding and supporting and counseling, if you will, the ramp participants as they go through this first year of work because they didn't know what they wanted to do when they graduate. Then now they're now they're out to work. Um, we believe that that's a better model to sort of address this entry and near entry level hiring in our community. Yeah, I mean. I I think we talked about this when you guys first came on. It's like the idea that when I was in school, this 12 years ago, I left high school and I, I applied to one college, mm -hmm. Plattsburgh state. The only reason I applied to Plattsburgh state was because I had to go like in my mind. I was like, okay, I graduate high school. I got to go to college. I was one of those kids. I'm like, I don't know what I want to do in college. Right. I don't care. When undecided, I literally applied to one place because I just knew I had to go to college. I'm like, well, I'll just apply to the one down the road. Cause I didn't really care. And, had I, I wish at the time, I always say if I could go back in time, if I could go back to ninth grade, I would jump into, I wouldn't take the maths and science that I normally would. I would go to the tech realm. 
which back back when I was in school, if you went to like tech math and tech science, you were considered dumb. Like, and the thing is, <laughs> I'm know. looking at it now. I'm like, why the hell did I not go there? Because <laughs> the amount of stuff you learn, like, the, the, and I know the kids that come out, they can probably build a house right now. And I'm right. like, it blows my mind that this was beliefs that I had from 2004 or five because that was just the way society was. And I came through. I would have done that. I would have done two years at CV Tech, my junior senior year. I probably would have come out with some type of. Uh, I guess certification or whatever for in the trade. And then I would have probably like in my head now, knowing that the trades, the way they are, people are getting, they're retiring out of them and nobody's coming in to fill them. If I could have went, became an electrician, a plumber, I know myself, I would have done that. I would have turned it into some business. I would have ran a business around some type of trade, kind of like you'd look at like an Ace Electric or a PM Leary, like these guys that have, you know, a pretty sizable company based around trades. And the thing is, I'm in real estate. These guys come up a lot in these kind of situations. Yeah. We need them. And it's yeah. like, I don't know how to do it. Like I called Ace Electric today on a question about something I need done. I don't know how to do it. And I look at it back then. It's like, I could learn all the business stuff, but like I never had anybody teach me or show me. Now I try YouTube and try to pick some stuff out. And I was like looking at this electrical problem. Like, eh, probably a little, I don't want to, you know, it's a little out of my realm, but it's the idea that I wish what you guys are doing is filtering in you had the kids that just want to go work and they already kind of have a job lined up and they want to do it. And that's one group. A majority of people still to this day want to go into that college route. Mm. I look at if you're going to go to college and you're going to get a degree that's going to pay off for whatever you're getting a degree for, go for it. If you're not going for a degree in... But it's hard to know. And it is hard, hard to know. It's hard and, to... I, mean, I, 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 I'm not, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I don't... Uh, you know where I'm I, going I, with this, so yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard, but it's like that's asking somebody to predict the future. You know, what I I, I firmly believe that if, if people graduated from high school, see the the twelve months of working and, and having three or four different job experiences, who knows whether or not they're gonna that's what they really want to do. Um, but at least I feel like individuals. There's a part of me that just feels like the, the more that we can sort of dispel the myths of life the more that we can sort of show people the type of opportunities, what happens within the four walls of these companies. Um, for me, it's these companies are far more dynamic than you might think just driving by them and seeing the big square boxes on the side of the road. They're, they're, they're interesting. They're dynamic. They have real careers. You can be entry level all the way up to, you know, multi six figure roles, you know, at, uh, you don't have to be just the CEO to earn really great money there. You can be head of engineering, head of quality, head of this, head of that, uh, head of accounting. Um, really you know strong ears but part of being part of the beauty of ramp i believe is that you know the the development that somebody goes through is they just get one year older mm-hmm. and you're sort of 12 months from now you know part of the ramp program is getting people you know the, as we as we grow the program and, and part of the design is even showing these individuals or bringing people in who can talk to them about you know college financial aid and and what are the real opportunities at, at, at Clarkson University and uh, North Country Community College and Paul Smith and, of course, Plattsburgh and Clinton and Canton? But to really sort of like, because when you're 17, 18 years old, you might not know up from down. Mm-hmm. But you work for work for 12 months. You see what it's like to earn a paycheck. We bring you. We bring people in who talk about you know financial literacy and, and some other trainings. And then you know, 12 months later you know a little bit more about the world around you and maybe you still want to go to college. That's great mm-hmm. because you, you just, you, you've given yourself some time, some breathing room to grow. 
Yeah, and that's and that's something I didn't have. I didn't. I just. I was like, graduate, a good job, go to college. And yeah. my college was undecided. The two the two fields I wanted to go into I, that were decided between was teaching and business. And look what mom and dad did. My mom was a teacher. My dad was in business. And it wasn't even real estate. I was kind of like I think you when you said like staffing. I just don't want to get into that you know field. And I didn't want to get into real estate right. until probably. Well, I, junior year, I was like, can I, and I, there's reasons why I want to get into it, but they weren't like, they weren't very noble reasons. It was mm-hmm. like, I want to make my own schedule and, you know, make more money than I was making at the other job that I was doing. And then over time, I, I've had, I was talking to someone yesterday. It's not really, I don't really love real estate. Like real estate's fun. It's a f- more fun industry to me than certain things. I like helping people. So I think, exactly right. so I think if you take and, and I was actually having this conversation with, um, well, well, Heath, Andre, I don't know if you know him. He runs a garbage company locally. I told him, I said, I could run a garbage company. I could sell like these things, you know, like uh, Yeti, whatever, little water things. Like I could sell that stuff if I know I was making a difference with people. Right. So it's like I like taking a problem because you kind of said, okay, how do I have a problem with these companies, the entry level? How do, where's my solution? Here they are. Let's merge the two. I look at real estate the same way. What are your goals? Okay, perfect. Let me filter it through my brain of all the stuff that I know about real estate and let me pop out what I think is a solution and let's work on getting that solution to help you accomplish your goal. Right. So the first question I always ask is somebody's like, I want to sell a house, okay, or I want to buy a house. Why do you want to sell a house? Why do you want to buy a house? Like, why, why do you want right. to do this? Because you didn't just wake up this morning saying, hey, I'm just going to call this real estate guy and have him come over and you know, we're going to buy or sell a house today. So you've been thinking about it. So what is your plans? What do you want to really do? And some of the times I got to like polish that down a little bit and say, well, Let's not do that because it's not the right thing to be just because based on what you're telling me, timing or money or factors or whatever is not going to work out. I want to help someone with that decision. So when I find that someone sells their house or moves into a house and they're excited about one of the two and I was able to help them accomplish that, that's a good feeling. But take real estate out and have me sell whatever or help have me do whatever. If it's a service line of business that I can bring – value to the end consumer and I have fun doing it. That's the kind of business I want to be in. I didn't realize that until recently. And now when we start talking about the stuff I've been talking to you about is like, like this golf tournament, if you would have told me two years ago that you'd be, Oh, by the way, you'd be really excited in two years to run this golf tournament. That's going to give money to charity for, for children. And now in your head, two years, you're going to pull off this tournament and now all of a sudden your mind's going to be racing about how you can get from where you are now to here with this tournament. I would have said probably not. Like I think it would probably be cool, but like I'm not really into it. But it's, it's my perspective on like a lot of things changes as I get older, which is just natural. Right. And that's the thing that I'm looking forward to is you know, now kind of understanding myself a little bit better and trying to understand different people and industries. And t- I see a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people. And trying to figure out where I can add value and stuff. And part of it too, is I know as I get, um, as I go along my professional journey, I know with growing or getting more successful or whatever, it's going to bring with it more opportunity for me. So then I look at the opportunity. How can I use that opportunity in a way that it is either it's good and affects the most amount of people. And that's something that i over the last couple of years has really weighed on my mind a lot. And that's kind of like my new North star where it's how can I grow as a person and grow a company or grow with other individuals locally 
to make a bigger impact than just maybe an individual buying or selling a home or this office with the employees or the staff or the people, the agents here. Yeah. Because I think you guys do a good job on that. And I think, you know, we were talking before, like you guys are going outside of Coyer Staffing's walls to affect more than just Coyer Staffing. Mm -hmm. And the people that do that, and there's some very good companies locally that you see them, they, they, they sponsor a lot of stuff. They donate a lot. They're always, you know, you always see their logos at different functions. And I'm like, I like that because we talked at the beginning of this about going outside your walls to benefit the community. So is that how your focus on that? How long has that been? Cause I know we're kind of circling back a little bit, but from giving back to people and then where do you, where do you see yourself, Coyer staffing, the North country going over the next you're you're what 35 so what, yeah. what, what do you got you know you know but like it, really it, like another probably 30 or 40 really solid years left i would think maybe you don't think that but like i i, I can't imagine not working yeah you seem like just mindfully young all because the time. i just like well here's what here's how you and i are similar is that you're you're in real estate i'm in staffing we're both in the people business. Mm-hmm. And when people talk about, you know, what are the technologies that might wipe out the staffing industry? What, is it, what are the technologies that might wipe out the real estate business? Mm-hmm. I think that you and I can very confidently say there's going to be all kinds of technologies that are going to improve our ability to service our clients. Because in the end, whether you're, when you're, when you're leaving a job, when you're interviewing for a job, when you're trying to land a job, it's a very personal thing. And having personal and close guidance and counsel around those decisions is, is super important. And it's going to be really hard to take the human element out of that. Same thing when you're selling your home, considering a home, moving, buying a home, learning about a new community. It's very hard for technology, or at least for what I can even forecast into the future. It's going to be very hard for technology to completely remove the human element that helps somebody feel comfortable about making those decisions, about making those changes. So I would say that Without a doubt, for the next 25 years, 30 years, maybe even longer, as long as we don't forget that what makes us successful is our ability to connect with people and our ability to continue to hire people and mentor individuals and make certain that we're adding people to our ranks who care about the people side of it. Because I don't care about the, you know, of course you care about the number of houses that you sell, the transactions that you have. It's, it's sort of what pays the bills, mm-hmm. but it's, if, if you're running your business the way I think you are, you're running your business similar to the way we run our business. And that is we're caring about, you know, the people we're meeting, making certain that we're being intentional about how, where are they going to land next? What companies are they going to be hiring with when we're having conversations with the companies? We're really listening, listening intently as to what are their goals? How are they trying to grow? What is the culture? Who is, who is ideal for their organization? Really trying to marry those two. And as long as we focus on that, we're always going to be successful because, yes, we might make a few less placements, quote unquote, but the likelihood of those placements being successful, I think, goes through the roof and as long as our success ratios are higher then companies are going to keep coming back to us because you can call anybody to just email you a pile of resumes and have a bunch of people stand or show up at your door the next day but if 30 percent of them are there in three months then you really have to question whether or not that was worth your time um, i'd rather have you know uh, half those individuals show up through our organization, but have the majority of them be sticking around. It's just about being intentional and, and being people focused and not 
placement focused or transaction focused. But I think we like we talk about taking that and putting like we talk about the like my new North Star being a much bigger scale. Right. I don't make nearsighted decisions or short term decisions because I'm always thinking long term. So it's mm-hmm. like like you said, maybe I don't make an extra placement or we don't make an extra sale today. And and there's plenty of times where I'm like, you know what, it's not like let's not do it. I tell many clients like let's wait till next year. Wait till like it's fine. You can buy today. Like yeah, I'll make money today. But I said. Um, or whatever this might be, but it's like, is it the best for you? And right. I, and I always look at it. If it's not the best for you now, I, I had a, um, I actually had a quote. I had it on my old printer and I just moved it out. I had to, actually had to write it back down. I, but the, the, the quote is when you focus on the numbers, everybody, sorry, when you focus on the people, the numbers take care of themselves. Right. Meaning if I, any goal I have, anything I want to have, I just, it's serendipity. It's, it's, it's karma. It's whatever is if I'm looking out for that person, whether, you know, they do something or, or taking the high road and stuff. If something bad happens, but you take the high road and like maybe I've had clients that call me and say, Hey, listen, I, this is a thing this happened. I ended up buying my house. I did this. I'm like, who cares? Like, that's fine. Like I bought it for sale by owner. I'm like, I mean, can we help people for sale by owners? Yes. But some people don't know that. So then I'm just right. like, you know what? Did you get a house? You're happy with it? Yes. That's all we care. That our job is to get you a house and you found a house without us. It doesn't matter. You accomplish your goal. The same thing and, happens to us. I mean, we have very yeah. similar businesses. Yeah. Right. And what's like with, with you, with, with us, People land a job and they have to live with those consequences. I mean, anybody can sell their house again. Anybody can mm-hmm. take another job. But quite honestly, if uh, if it doesn't go well, they remember that you know there's leaves a bad taste in their mouth. With you, you know, maybe they bought a house. And I know it's more difficult in today's day and age, but I still think it happens. People, uh, you can sell somebody a house, and you might know. And it's questionable: is it really worth what they paid for it? And if it's not worth what they paid for it, then they're going to suffer the long-term consequences of that investment and that investment not coming back and paying returns. Yeah. And if, but if you are looking at a piece of property and you know that it's, it's overpriced and you know that uh, your buyer is going to kind of get, you know, the short end of the stick if they, if they push through and buy it. I think if you can step back and say, Hey, listen, I know the kind of house that you want. I know that you have the ability to spend X, but let's wait a little bit. Cause I think that if we're patient, you're going to make a better buying decision a month, two months from now. And let's, let's just be smart about this. Well, it could be someone saying, Hey, I'm qualified up to X. I want to spend up to X. I'm like, Oh, you can, you can be house poor. <laughs> like, do you want to do it? You can, you're fine. Right. You can qualify for it. But you know, you talk to people down in price. Like when we come back on a re- realistic budget, I had another person who wanted to buy a house, wanted to get rentals, wanted to start the rental thing. And I started talking to this person and they had a business they were growing. They're growing quite fast. And I'm like, I said, you're, growing the business pretty quick, right? I said, your returns are pretty good in your business, whatever. And we started chit-chatting. And I said, what happens if you take your down payment money and just dump it back into your business? Like, are you going to get a quicker return than buying real estate? And the light bulb went off. They're like, yeah, actually, I probably will. I said, don't buy real estate. This right. is me. This is a real, this is a guy trying right. to sell you real estate. Don't buy real estate. <laughs> it's not a good investment for you. Because what do you, now it is for a lot of people, but a lot of people it's not. I personally don't buy real estate because I put money back into our business, which to me, is a better investment currently in the current right. state. If it wasn't, I'd be putting money where it's smart. Yeah, that's going to be a distraction. Even no matter, even the and best it's investment, money up. it's going to tie up money, yeah. and it's going to be a distraction away from what really pays the bills for that individual. Some people are diversified enough where they can do that, and they're oh, a little yeah. bit further along. Yeah. Right? And this person's, I mean, they're like the same as me. It's like you, I only have so much to don't, uh, not don't have, I have only so much to, to invest right now. I got to put it in the smart places now, and then hey, 10, 15 years, 20 years from now, I'm hoping sure. that I can put it in both baskets. But right now, it's not. So it's like. You know, and I got third kid on the way. It doesn't happen. You know, they got <laughs> one's born on Christmas, so we got a busy month coming up. But it's the idea that you try to, you know, where you really look at um, 
I think the long-term play where if I'm making decisions for 20, 30 years down the road, my short-term one goals have been met, which is, but again, I didn't have that mindset until like the last five years of like, Hey, let's do, let's, let's make decisions that are going to impact you for 10, 20 years, not a year or not even that, like a week. Like, okay, you, you got a commission check. Great. Like, but I find that people, if you, any kind of service business, if you look at, the, you need to know your numbers and stuff, but if you focus on the that number, it's like it's it's you're so nearsighted, it blinds mm -hmm. you from what the big picture is. Um, so I always find that's fascinating with with small companies because you can tell the ones that really do it well because when you talk to them, and I get this vibe from you, I get this vibe from a lot of different people, and I always find that like people attract like people. Sure. And like Aaron Benner, guy, I brought him up. Um, guys, a nut, we both know him, but he's one of these guys, like one of my best friends, and he's one of these guys I met. I'll have to tell you the story. I think I told you the story when I first met Aaron. Maybe. I don't know. If not, I'll, t I'll tell you after. It's, it's, it, it's uh, on, I don't know. on a whim. And I basically, I basically it was kind of like I, I, we were at a career day fair. Um, and basically it was like asking out. It was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allude. Uh, I'm going to make Aaron sound like a, um, maybe a high school girl at this point. It's like going and asking <laughs> a high school girl to dance. It was kind of one of those things. Like I just rolled up on him. Cold call. Didn't know who he like. We didn't. We kind of. He kind of knew who I was by face, but didn't know who I was. And I just like rolled up on him, started asking questions. It's a long story. I'll get into it later. But um, the whole thing is I look at someone like Aaron. Aaron knows his numbers, but you know like he's a nut. And he's just like boom, boom, boom. And he's got you know ideas and stuff. But I think just his energy and enthusiasm draws people to him. Sure. Same thing. And there's a lot of people like that locally that you just – the attract people – but for the right reasons, but you know their heart's in the right spot. Right. They're not sitting there trying to be this like sleazebag person and you're like, they're kind of slimy. You're like, no, they actually are a cool dude or genuine in what they're saying. Right. They believe say, in what they... Yeah, and they're, they're just like, they ooze out whatever right. they want. And that's... They're genuine people. Yeah, and those are the people that I'm like, if I see those people, I'm like, yeah. whatever it is, I'm just like beeline. I got to be with that person because it just, minds connect and that's good. Um, Do you know what, you know, we talk about the future of the North Country and all of that and, you know, we at Coyer Staffing are always going to be positioning ourselves to the best of our ability to sort of be as nimble and effective as time goes on. But, you know, if you, the real question mark for me in the next, uh, let's just say five, 10 years is who is going to be the next Gary Douglas, right? Because Gary Douglas is not going to do that job forever. And he has done nothing short of an amazing job for the North country because he assembled a, a, a superb team of individuals. And, uh, you know, there's, um, I think it was like he, uh, Bill Owens, and Pat Russell in this small core group of individuals who saw when the base went away that the future of the North Country was going north across the border and putting on presentations to Montreal companies or Canadian companies or at least international companies that if you want to have some presence in, in the uh, U.S. market, Plattsburgh is where you should be, right? And this has been going on for 25, 30 years without a whole lot of people knowing that they were actually going up and doing that. And there are very few people who run chambers of commerce who sort of have that vision and direction that, and he has, you know, there's been certainly people might say there've been stumbles along the way, but there've been so many home runs, so many more home runs. It could be Bombardier. It can be Volvo. It could be North titanium. You know, you know, I don't know the degree to which they had the uh, the influence of having Schluter systems come down across the border, but I know that um, you know, you know, all of those companies probably pass through the Gary Douglas filter 
and sphere of influence, and that's why they're here. Who is the next Gary Douglas, and who are the next crack team of individuals who are going to carry that torch and continue to make those strong relationships north of the border? So th- this is my thing. So I, <laughs> I'm not super. I mean, I in the realm of I'm I'm still I'd say fairly young in the realm of business and and kind of getting into this stuff. I saw again. I was talking, telling you before about hometown cable. One of the ones that came up was Gary Douglas, right. 1995, 96. Um, slim and trim Gary Douglas. Like right. looking, did, dressed the same. I think he wakes up every day <laughs> in a three-piece suit. Um, but he was doing interviews. And this was back, and you could tell it was kind of like, he was involved, but I think he was new. He's probably in the first five, six years yeah. whenever he started. And you kind of watch this, and you could see him do it. And again, these it almost felt like the early days. And some of these companies, I told you, like they're, they're not even around here anymore. Right. And I didn't recognize any of the people that he was interviewing, which is crazy to think that this was 20, uh, 25 years ago. Right. And which just shows how much things change over time. But uh, I don't know, I was five, six years old at the time. And so I'm watching this. This is within the week I'm watching this. They put out a bunch of old videos. I'm like, now I'm like nerding out on like the, like the park uh, right. the park uh, board meeting of the of the month and I'm watching like Mark Berry and I, like I know Mark yeah. a little bit and you know some other Plattsburgh people Air Base Redevelopment yeah, Commission and, like, right? park. Watching, yeah and I'm watching all this stuff and I'm like this is kind of before my time but now that I'm older I can appreciate what they're talking about yeah. this is 25 years ago so if I had to pick one person locally that I've been I want to get on the podcast and I'll be honest never ask the guy because it's Gary Douglas so I always this is a thing Gary Douglas is one of these guys and I've said this before on the podcast, Joel Wood was here the other day. Joel Wood could be Gary Douglas. He he's you no, know, I don't you know Joel. I love Joel. Joel's great. He's, no, he's he's, the, he's superb. Yeah, he's the best. And he uh, so I'm sitting there. I'm telling Joel. I'm like, Gary's this guy that I as a kid growing up, he was on the front page of the paper probably 50 days of the year because mm-hmm. he's in some event and you see him on the side and he looks like this little godfather and I'm like who is this Gary guy? Everybody knows Gary. And I'm like I I didn't. I was a little kid and like now that I've come up the ranks, I still see Gary. And every time I see Gary, he's very He's one of those guys. He's very kind of quiet. Doesn't say a lot. Like in at least I I find you know kind of like there, but he's he's much more, you know, an introvert. Kind of mm-hmm. doesn't seem like he's very outspoken. I've talked to Gary. I've talked to Gary twice in my life, and usually it's kind of quiet. There's one time at the Chamber uh, Business Expo, and we were going around, and I was there, and Christy Kennedy was there, and he kind of Gary was there, three piece suit, it's middle of June. I'm sweating. He's in a three piece suit, so but he looks, he always looks cool way as back. a cucumber. Yeah, so then I'm sitting there, and I'm giving, uh, I'm giving uh, uh, Christy a t-shirt, like right. having a shirt, and I look over at Gary, <laughs> and I go, I go, Gary, I said, do you want a t-shirt? He looks at me, he goes, I'm not really a t-shirt guy. That's, that's all I got out of him. I'm not really a t-shirt guy. <laughs> And I said, Gary, you're going to be the first guy with a Kavanaugh three-piece suit. And that's what I told him. <laughs> and then he kind of did this little, little chuckle. Never said a word. That was it. And then I like left. I'm like, I think it just like ruined my shot with Gary. <laughs> so then the Chamber Award dinner, I show up. I don't even think Gary knows who I am. This is like my thought. I like show up. He's the first guy to come up and say hi. I don't even think he said anything. And he just came up and shook my hand. Mm-hmm. And then I told him, I said, Gary, I had to rent this damn three-piece suit. And you still look better than me. And he just like rolled out. He was he'd been wearing that since the morning. So those are my two times I ever spoke to Gary. So I got to get, I want to get Gary on because I got, there's like a gazillion questions I want to ask this right. guy. No, that's and, a no-brainer. But he's also one of those guys. I'm like, when you talk about like, there's a slight like starstruck a little bit local starstruck when i like look at something like a gary like i know this sounds crazy no it's intimidating to but, talk it, but to it's kind of weird but like there's people that i've had on here that i'm like then a lot of them more i think because they're you know younger and stuff but then i look at these these guys have been doing it for years in my head it's the perception that these guys have been doing it for so many years that they're just like 
I'm like, th- like it's almost like this is really the person right here, which is crazy. I know it's crazy because they're like, I don't. But it's I, like anything. Listen, else. I think it's like anybody else. You know, you it's it's intimidating because of it, who they are and what they've done, and you want to pick their brain, and you don't know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. But the truth it, of the matter is, he gets up every morning and puts his three piece suits on, just like you and I get dressed. And, I mean, uh, that's different. And, I get yeah. dressed, yeah. But <laughs> but it, but it's but it's the idea. Like I'm just fascinated by now really knowing, oh, not no, really knowing, but starting to know stuff. Where he started back in the early '90s to now, there's been a lot of up and downs in the last 30 years. I mean, but I mean between the base, locally base closing, yep. 9/11, the recession, you know, and a lot of these things with these kind of this wave effect, and we're stronger now, I think, than we were 30 years ago. Like maybe even maybe even at the prime, better than yeah. we are now. And you look at this, and I would say if I like, I would say Gary's kind of like the general up on the horse kind of guy leading mm-hmm. the charge, but it's like. To see this, like, there's so many questions I want to ask that man that, like, and I can't, he'll, I'll, I should be able to get him on. I'm, like, slowly infiltrating the, the chambers. So right. I'm, I'm getting a couple of them on, and I'm sure Gary will have no problem coming on. But it's the, it's the thing, though. There's, the, Do you know what you have to get on? You should get on Gary Douglas, and you should get Herb Carpenter. See, Herb's another one. I know the name, but I don't know him. Yeah, he's a it, it's a strictly no-brainer. business guy, right? Yeah, but it's strictly business is sort of like. It's, but see, this is how we know him. I know. From. I know, I know. Yeah, but strictly business is a is a passion project, you know. But he was front and center for everything that went on at the base. He used to be the, the chief of police in Plattsburgh mm-hmm. earlier in his career. You know, he's been around Plattsburgh. He's he he knows everything that's ever happened in the North Country. He you know started strictly business and the Northeast Group. And then he, when Mike joined, he sort of really expanded the whole warehousing and logistics side of that business. So that's blown up. Now Mike has taken over. Either you get Mike the, from Northeast Printing, yeah, Mike Carpenter. Or North was it? Oh, was it? They they yeah. did this board. I'm yeah. That same Mike, right? Mike Carpenter. Yeah, okay, the son. But see, he's I don't know. I know of him, but don't really know him. He's another one. Like, do you know what you and I should do? Is you and I should okay? You have you have this podcast here, right? But you they, and I should break off and have. And if we can even have a, it would, either you and I interviewing people and having a conversation or like you and I and maybe one other person, but we should have like a, a, like a group podcast where we regularly talk and maybe we bring in people that we know and then, then you're not carrying all the water. I'm not carrying all the water. We can both sort of go back and forth. I'm basically people. the guy who just hits play and just says, I'm just going to be a fly on the wall. Cause this is, this is the thing. Like I like listening to people, but there's right. so many people locally that have done crazy things like from at least in my time, mm-hmm. that are still relevant people. Like they're not, they're not retired. They're not done. They're not like, hey, this is no offense. I mean, there's people I want to talk to that are that did a lot of stuff probably in the '70s and '80s that are you know they've been retired for a while now. But a lot of these guys are still active day to day. Yeah. And but they have thirty plus forty years of like of experience and knowledge and like oh yeah, so this is what happened with the base. Where when I was talking to uh, when Matt Boyer came on, he was new at the time, but he was yeah. talking about him and Mark Berry and the stuff that. You know, he got in the CDC kind of as the base was like, you know, about to fizz out and, you know, a yeah. little mark and yeah. yeah, the, yeah and this the, blows my mind. Like this is the, it's like the history of the North Country. Right. That I'm, I'm like in it now, but my knowledge of the history is kind of like a kid being like, like aware Spiegel, of that person. Art Spiegel would be in a, a wild interview I've if met, we could land I've that. I've met Art before, you know, but I don't know yeah. if Art like would really know who I am. Matt yeah. and Casey's dad, right? Yes. I, I know Matt a little more than, I don't know if I really know Casey, but I know Matt. Casey's great. Matt's great too. Um, I don't know their brother Josh as well, but he's very, very friendly and nice whenever I've had conversations with him. But, and I haven't had a bunch of conversations with their dad, but he's just a, a, a North Country business icon, you know, yeah. somebody who grew a business on his own 
you know sold that business you know the um it's really unfortunate that the the titheringtons aren't around but even interviewing the the old man uh jeff titherington it would be really fascinating and even if you get his son unfortunately you know, obviously gary and paul passed away but um jeff jr if you could get him on the podcast of course he's in florida more often than, than he's in the north country but there are real there are some people in and around our region that would be fascinating to have conversations with a lot of these guys like people i've, I've heard of every single one of the people you've said but yeah. again do i know any of them not really and that's right. the thing it's like a lot of it is for me it's almost like a it's a research because I get to learn it. Right. But then two, it's kind of, I want to hear the stories and I want to hear like where, because a lot of it, like history repeats itself. Like that's a common theme, you know, throughout. So it's like when you start seeing stuff they went up against and where their, their experiences to where we're going. And I, mean, I want to pick like someone like Gary, who I think has a very clear vision of where he wants us to go. And then obviously I think just naturally just time and energy, just like, you know, I just kind of want to relax and like right. pass the baton. But I know Gary's going to have it, you know, he, He's just gonna be a guy throughout his entire life that's gonna have still a presence in the community, and even if it's more of a consultation type thing, I mean, they're gonna. I think Gary's gonna carry a lot of weight from now till whenever he's just completely like, don't bother me, You're like, don't know if whatever happened, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I got I got some good stuff. I got I gotta I gotta reach out <laughs> to some of these people, but um, we don't want to. I, I would be remiss if I said that we we had a good kickoff to a lot of my my list by having. Dave Coyer back on for a second time. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of the same breath right here. I don't want to, I want to discount this. And, um, so, uh, Dave, I appreciate you, uh, coming back on. I got a couple minutes here, but we, uh, anything else you want to say? We'll, we'll have you back on again. We might no. do a dual thing. What you, who knows? We, yeah, I would love I, I think the podcast format is really great. I would, uh, I've wanted to do my own for a while. I've kicked it around for a long time. It's fun having somebody to talk to and, and get, more comfortable with time it would almost be arguably easier to do with somebody and just sort of say hey we're going to do a north country podcast where we interview all kinds of people we're going to talk and i know i know that you've been doing it for a while mm -hmm. but even expanding upon that and even if you just sort of had the you know just the, it's kind of fun about the same two people talking because i there's a lot of podcasts that i listen to that are just that there yeah. are two people who talk where you just you're talking about what's going on, you know, what's happening around us instead of having it be so centric on who are you and who am I, like what's happening here? Like, so what's going on in downtown, the DRI, you know, what's going, you know, let's, so th there's, yes. And that's, that's how this usually evolves. So like when our first, you came on the first time, it was me being like, like I knew of you. I never met you. That's the first time I think I met you. Right. Right. It was like, I knew of you. And I'm like, I, you know, I'd like, and I think I got roped in cause I was trying to get Meg on and Meg, you know, at the time. And it was like, this whole thing, but then um, it was kind of okay. Who are you guys? What's what are you guys up to? The ramp program. I did some research. I knew some stuff, obviously through like you know just community and yeah, social media. Yeah. And then it got to the point where like we've had conversations between. I mean that guy that was over a year ago now. I think it was, it, which seems crazy because I'm getting people on. I'm like, yeah, it was like a couple months well, ago. Well, COVID right? has sort of thrown the entire schedule. The in fact, our brains. That, the fact that we are in mid November right now blows my mind. Of 2020. It's got, this is the fastest, I call this like the fastest, slowest year ever because it's just like, it's, it's gone in a blur. It's a fast, mm -hmm. I don't know. It seems very fast. Um, but this one I think was more laid back. We've, I mean, we've talked multiple times between now, then and now. So it's like, you, and you start to know the people, like I have some people, Jared Burns came on, good friend of mine. I think he's great. Yeah. We hit the play button and I don't even know what we talked about. We were mid sentence. I'm like, do you want to just start this? Like, yeah, sure. So I just hit it. I'm like, right. And I'm it's like, like the okay, Joe we're Rogan actually, podcast. Yeah, I'm like, we're actually, are we rolling? I mean, yeah, I'm like, and I, I guess, but people don't know, like, I mean, we talked, 
an hour before we even started the camera. You know, I right. started this. So it's like there's um, a lot of it is as you get more people on. That's why I like having people repeat because mm-hmm. I find I like the interview style where I interview people. But I like just kind of, like I said, shooting the breeze with some friends and just kind of talking about whatever. Or it could be, I'm talking about the golf tournament, but it could be anything. Like you said, it could be the DRI. It could be something going on. Or it could be it's just like, hey, I like ran over the pothole on this yeah. hole. Did you see that? Or did, like, I don't know, whatever. Right, we Cars. have a new mayor starting. What's, what's our thoughts around that? What's our st- thoughts we, with the North Country? What's our thoughts on... I had both mayor candidates on here. Yeah, and uh, I saw that. That's both. Great. Both great guys, both very good with their time. Um, I was one. <laughs> I'm not a big pol- political guy. I vote. I do all that and stuff. I have views, and I just I usually kind of keep them to myself. But um, the biggest, the biggest um, race that I was most interested in was one I didn't even vote in. I couldn't vote in. It. I don't live in the city, but it was the mayor race. And um, I just talking to both guys and kind of knowing a little bit about the city. Not great, but like aware enough about you know kind of the um some of the challenges are facing right now i just figured that no matter what one or one of the the two gentlemen was going to be at least bring a little bit of energy and maybe a new perspective and a little you know um jolt that you know for for the area so i was really looking forward to hearing or who won it even though it was kind of delayed right because they didn't figure out who won until Right. Was it mid the Wednesday the following week? It's or like something? every election in uh, the country. Yeah. They had to add. They every, had to count the uh, the mail in ballots. The well, week after. And it was like the. It was funny. It was I actually saw both guys a day of without planning it. Ran into both of them. When I, I didn't really run into Chris, but I was at. I went to all, <laughs> went to all of Ridley's, Alecas, all Ridley's. Like they're doing a co thing, which I think it's great. By the way, that was a cool thing they're doing. So we went. I was with um, me and a friend went there. We went to Alecas for lunch. We ended up like we're like middle of the day. I'm like I'm kind of punting it. I always like election days, almost like a mini holiday. I guess it is a holiday, but like I just like I kind of zone out. I you know for some reason I find I'm very uh, not motivated to do much work on election day where I do some stuff and then I kind of want to just like chill because everybody's kind of in the buzz of that. It's kind right. of like one of those weird days. So we end up going. We're like, do you want to get like sangria? Like, Let's have sangria. <laughs> so we drank sangria. Ran in the Scott. He was doing his NBC. Uh, uh, interview or whatever so let's talk to him a little bit when i walked in and then i looked out the window and chris comes rolling in like 15 minutes later and does his interview i'm like this is kind of like we're right in the mirror band i mean not, not that they anything was going on but it was just funny to see both uh, both guys that day but i just figured neither of them slept i told I told scott i said <laughs> i said uh something about like all of really i said something about are you going to stay up or whatever and he said some comment i said i guarantee about four hours you can be in the same spot but probably the other way because he was standing straight up in the middle of ridley's i'm like this depending how today goes either way you're probably like i said it'd be nice to have a drink tonight and relax but it was sort of the uh it was we had two great candidates you know my my wife grew up next door to scott and his family like mm-hmm. since they were children so uh they're friends they've been kind to us it was easy to support him but honestly it wasn't like Supporting one wasn't really supporting the other. It was just sort of... I, I found that talking to both guys and talking to other people, there wasn't one person, which was refreshing to see in politics. There wasn't one person when they asked me about the, about the interview, interviews um, or asked me like, well, who would you vote for? And I'm like, honestly, they're both, I think, good. Like, I think no matter... You're not, I don't think you're going to go wrong with really either guy. And everybody I talked to was kind of the same thing. They're like, yeah, like I'm going to vote for this one, but honestly, I wouldn't I care less if that he won. Right. I think he'd be good. Like Scott Baby spent how many years in the city police force? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he knows that lay of the land, and, and I think those relationships could have been, he could have really leveraged those relationships and sort of been a good candidate. I, but 
and, and, I, and I think it didn't go his way. Yeah. So and, here we and, are. And I wouldn't with, be surprised knowing Scott too. And I don't know how this all works. I don't know the dynamic between Chris and Scott, you know, off, right. you know, off, off uh, camera and stuff. But, you know, I could see Scott still offering, you know, thoughts or efforts and stuff. Counsel. Yeah. Cause I think, I think at the end of the day, Scott's still a plasper guy and he wants to know what's best for the community. And, um, and I don't think it's the end of Scott. I think Scott's one that, you know, we'll see how Chris does. You never know. I mean, it's every, what, four years. I wouldn't be surprised if Scott throws his hat in the ring again, you know, if it, it gets to that point. Or he might just be like, honestly, Chris is doing a great job and I'll wait eight years, let him get done and then I'll go in. And right. maybe that's how it works. Cause, um, so it's cool. Like I said, it, it was a uh, refreshing to see. I thought a pretty, um, uh, Fair, clean, clean, yeah. clean campaign, which right. was nice. I mean, both guys were, I think, very amicable um, in everything they did and respectful. And um, I, I didn't see anybody bad mouthing either they of them. They talked about what they were going to do, not what the other person wasn't going to do, which I thought was refreshing. Exactly. Right. And it's nice when I was doing a conversation with both of them because people always ask, like, I'm like, well, if I get a pol- politician on here, it's not to talk real politics. It's like I want to highlight the person and I want to say, like, what's your plans? What's your what's your goals? I'm like, I'm not going to argue with anybody in politics. I'm like, what? Just what do you want to do? And mm-hmm. like. How are you going to make it happen? And like, what's, uh, you know, what, what's your vision and tying that all in and just letting the person speak in like a long form contact or, uh, yeah, context that they can, uh, really expand off of. And it's not just sound bites. It's like, I'm going to here. here's an hour and 40 minutes yeah. of both guys. It's almost intimidating. Talking. I imagine for politicians because they, they, you talk for too long and you sort of talk yourself. So, into- so, some of them always ask me like, what are you going to ask? I'm like, just show up. It's be <laughs> fine. I'm not going to give you any, like, what do you like? Right. Like you kind of know what's coming, but I'm not, I'm not, it's not, it's fun. You're just going to just like you saying, what are you going to say? Yeah. What are you going to say? I I honestly don't know. I have ideas. Like Nick came in, she gave me like some of your stuff here and I like, I kind of glanced through it. I'm like, honestly, if I get really stumped, I'll look at it. I haven't looked at it once. We're fine. So if anything's a note taker, so it's good. Um, Dave, I appreciate you coming on. This is always fun. We actually did a decent length here considering we, we, I think uh, it's great. We, we, uh, chit chat a little bit before. So it was fun. We'll do it again. Thank you so much. Sounds good. All right. That is uh, episode 105 with the the great Dave Corrier. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.